Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, I am absolutely thrilled to introduce today's amazing guest, Jessica Lancaster, who will be talking with us about her work as an actor, social media guru, producer, and waitress. So, <laughs> Jessica, Hi. welcome to the podcast. It's and so good to have you. You said it in the right order of importance. <laughs> waitress is always at the very end of it, so... <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. We've talked about your job as a waitress a little bit in the past. And some of my best experience, especially when I was getting my master's, I waited tables at night. Of course, my father thought that, you know, it was not appropriate. But for me, it was such a good balance to the other part of my life that was very cognitive and very focused in a different way. And not only did it give me a chance to make money while I was in graduate school, but it also really helped me see a very different side of humanity that I wouldn't have seen if I weren't in that type of helping profession. Absolutely. Absolutely. I get so many ideas for characters from my clients or customers, I guess. So I, I've waited tables now for 20 years Mm -hmm. and I don't actually need to do it financially anymore. I do it two nights a week. It's social, especially with the pandemic. It was really great to get out and like be social with human beings, but I I actually enjoy it. So I'm like, Hey, it's money and I like it. And I'm learning about humanity, as you said. So why not? keep doing it. And it kind of keeps you, it's also a workout. So, <laughs> so for people that like, you know, if you, don't, if you can't make the gym and you've got to, you got to shift that night, you're good to go. Well, you know, the Familius who hosts this podcast, they really focus on helping families be happy. And I think about when we eat out, yeah. how for many families, that is still a highlight maybe of their day, of their week, and having somebody who's caring for you while you're having an eating experience can, you know, if they're caring for you, then it really makes the meal. And regardless of how the food tastes, right? But if you don't have somebody caring for you, whether it's, you know, somebody on the wait staff or a doctor or a nurse or whatever profession, it really makes the difference. So it sounds to me as if that's a way you might make, hap- make you know, families be happy, support that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a soft spot for, for moms and dads that come in with their kids because they're taking care of the kids all the time, all day long, taking care of their families. And I know from, I don't have kids personally, but all my friends do. And I know how difficult that is. And I just think that like, if I can be that person for them, even just for that hour and a half that you're in the restaurant, then, then what a mitzvah, you know what I mean? To go above and beyond and they don't have to worry about anything. I'll pick up the stuff your kid threw on the floor. I don't care. That's great. I'm happy to do it. Or let me get you another glass of wine. You deserve it. You know, (laughs) but it is, I think it is important, even if you're not in a financial place to go out to dinner or, or anything like that, to eat out, I think is some of my best family memories are doing picnics or, you know, just food is such a, in a lot of cultures like Italian, I know you were in Italy recently and just in French culture, it is a, it's a bonding experience and Americans don't really have that, you know, as much as I think other cultures do. And I think it's, 
you know, they'll have like three hour dinners in Italy, you know, yes. and here we kick you out after an hour and a half for the next turn. So I think it is, it is some, and then, you know, the phone's away. I tell people at my tables, I'm like, if possible, please don't have your cell phones out. Oh my enjoy, goodness. Enjoy Good for you. I do. And like, sometimes like if they have a kid that's really rowdy, I'm like, no, use the phone. <laughs> but I do think it's important for people to put the phones away while they eat. You know, good. I agree with you. Good point. And you're right. There are other cultures. You know, I'm half Italian and my family yeah. in Italy. You're right. Sit down for a three, four, five hour meal yeah. and just <laughs> more. And it's not necessarily that the people are, are wealthy. No. It, financially, there is a wealth of love and offering and the beauty of the food and the wholesomeness of the food. And I think you not only connect with people better during mealtimes when they are that, you know, set forth in that way, but you also digest the food better. You do digest the food yeah. better. I think so. Because if you're talking and communicating, you're not just eating the food, you're enjoying the food. Yes. Enjoying the company. And that is, I perfectly full disclosure, like most of my meals growing up were in front of the television set. And I think that that is so true for so many people. And I wish I'd had more family meals. Mm. You know, I wish that I could have, yeah, I wish I could have had more family meals. I think so many wonderful things can happen around the dinner table. Absolutely. And as wild as my childhood might've been, it was one of the things my parents really did well is we ate around the, you yeah. know, 10 kids, two parents, you eat around the table, no talk of business yep. and you eat and you share. I don't remember what we shared, but we did eat and we did not yeah. talk about business. <laughs> yeah, you talk about your day, you talk about this, the weather, your interests, the cute boy, whatever, you know. You fed scraps to the dog under the table. Yes, exactly. that's what I remember. So I really love that we started maybe in reverse order where this, that might be a part of your work that is under acknowledged, but, you know, I really see it as not only does it feed you and give you joy and a workout and some, you know, extra money, which is beside the point, but it helps you really support families in a way that maybe you don't have children of your own, but you're really able to support families and healthy eating, healthy healthy eating and healthy appreciation of food. Oh yeah. I work at a vegan restaurant. I work at Little Pine in, um, in Silver Lake, which is a vegan restaurant. So it's pretty healthy. Some of, good, it, good. Some of it's not healthy, but it's mostly healthy. Mostly, mostly healthy. <laughs> okay. So moving on, let's, we'll, we'll take it in reverse area order. So you're also, as I know very well, a social <laughs> media guru. You are an Instagram goddess I among other things. Tell yeah. us about that. Tell us about your life it, as an Instagram goddess. It came, it, I hated it when it came out hated it. It's what so many clients come to me and they're like, I hate this. And I'm like, I did too. Legit. Like what happened was I'm a producer and an actor. That's my number one. And we did a movie called Choosing Signs a while ago, a long time ago. And it won a ton of festivals. It went to a lot. It was a beautiful movie and it did not get distribution right away. And it was frustrating because we were like, wait, we've got like seven best picture awards from different festivals. And it's a good, and it was really disheartening. And one of my good friends is a big social media manager, like famous people. And she said to me, well, you don't have Instagram. Like the distributors look at that. And I was like, they do. So she sat me down and she taught me everything. 
the secrets, right? And so then when it came to do my my second feature, The Holy Fail, I started in pre-production doing Instagram and it we got I got to like 25,000 followers and a distributor found us through Instagram and then both our films got distributed. And so that was the push. And I just, I was such an, I was just like loved doing it. I, I I saw results and I loved doing it. So then I started to work with her and then eventually branched off. And now we still help each other, but we have our own separate businesses. But yeah, I, and for families, it can be, I have clients that will not show their children's faces, but they will post things about, I actually wrap, I work with some people from Familias that are children's authors. And it's cool to see how some of them, you know, they don't show their kids' faces, but they'll like use their kids and their Instagram to help other families, you know, learn about their books or learn about something they've learned or just make them laugh. But I also think that Instagram is a great way to unite mothers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unite yes. families. You can find, like there's a, a really great one called Parenting, Parenting Black Children that my friend runs their Instagram. And it's just a great Instagram for women who are of color, who have children with autism. It's a very specific niche. Oh my goodness. And it, and it's, it's an, uh, and it's just, those are the kind of groups and communities of support and connection you can find only through Instagram. I don't, I mean, you can find them through Facebook as well, but like, I find that there's all these beautiful family communities out there you have a child who's into volleyball. You will find volleyball mamas that you can communicate with and be like, my daughter's yes. thumb hurt. What do I do? Or whatever. Like, so I, I think Instagram relating it to families is a, just a great way to connect uh, like-minded that's, individuals. Yes. It's funny you say connect because that's what I was thinking as you were talking, that it is a tool for connection. Yeah. It's a tool for the dissemination of information as well, yeah. but really like finding like, or like finding what, you know, yeah. finding somebody that you want to connect with. Maybe you aspire to do something. So for those who don't know what you do as a social media guru, could you give us a little, a little taste of what it is that you do do? Sure. sure. So without giving away any of the trade secrets, I, um, I, uh, take Instagram pages to the next level. So basically uh, most people come to me and they have like 10 likes and they're not getting followers and they're frustrated because they're posting and they don't know what the hashtags aren't working or whatever. And I take those pages and I, I, I know how to promote them through my little secrets and I get them proper followers that make sense to their page. Mm. I get the engagement. So when somebody is going to their page, they feel like they belong, like they're part of a community or they're part of like-minded people. So it doesn't feel it's authentic. And it doesn't feel like you'll go to someone's page and they have like a hundred thousand followers and like 17 likes that feels really inauthentic to me. Like mm-hmm. the followers or, or like if the posts don't make sense to what they're doing or what they're trying to say, I guide them to um, a better target market of what they're quote selling. Everybody is selling something. Even if you're selling like family inspiration, you're still selling something to an audience. And what I do is figure out the audience and help you pinpoint what you're selling and just make sure that when people come to your page, it's exciting. That Got it. So it's active. Yeah. So people active. are getting likes and comments and they're getting like um, shares and they're getting followers and it's just a fun, you know, it's a growing and that's what I do. So 
as an example, if we have a mom who decides she has this great business idea of promoting sensory play, or then she would come to you if she wants to be on Instagram and say, wait, I have this great idea. I don't have time to do this and I don't have the know-how. Would you handle this for me and help my page be successful? Yes, exactly. In a really authentic way. In a really authentic way. And then part of what I do as well as I teach people how to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, a lot of people then can learn how to do, especially hardcore business pages. Because a lot of the stuff has to come from the business because I am not, I don't know sensory toys. So how am I going to write about that with an an authentic way? I can't write about that in an authentic way. I used to write for clients. I don't do that anymore because it just doesn't, it honestly doesn't work unless it's an actress. I don't know that world. It doesn't translate because it doesn't doesn't feel real. They can even, even I'm a decent writer too. It just doesn't work. And so generally speaking, like the more authentic you are, the more successful your page will be, but it's still, there are tricks that I do that I can't share that are just trade secrets on how to get the pages going. Absolutely. And that's, well, that's one of your professions. So we don't want the trade secrets. You keep those. (laughs) But I do think that authenticity is appreciated. I think the magazine looking Instagram pages are out the color coordinated, the like the cure, the heavily curated Instagram Mm. pages were really in everybody was doing all this cool like artsy design but I think now what's working is just authentic feeling in the moment yeah that's happens to be my favorite way of being it's so much easier you don't have to pretend you just are you just post when you post yeah yeah so I really love this so part of the way you help families you know on another level is that you facilitate getting good information out there in bite-sized chunks which is one of the things I wasn't at all an Instagram fan at first but now I can really appreciate even though I don't you know, I'm not on it a lot, but I really appreciate the bite-sized chunks of information, of glimpses into positivity, of positive mental health messages, of really good book shares. So it's really can be a wonderful world if used well. If it's used well. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, it's a tool and a tool can, you know, a hammer can hammer a nail into build a house or it can hit someone on the head. So you know what I mean? Like it can be so like, true. I know. So, true. so like, it's just cool. And so like, it is what you make it, but I, I generally attract women that are fempreneurs or mompreneurs. My, most of my base is, I, I can't say the companies I do because I sign non-disclosures, but like most of them are going to be like organic skincare lines that a woman started 25 years ago. Or like, I have like a foster care company that this woman is in Texas who's starting this whole amazing foster care thing. Oh my God, yes. and like I tend to just like those types of people are attracted to me and I'm attracted to them. And so that's who I take anytime. And, but a lot of those moms, a lot of the mompreneurs are just like taking over Instagram right now with all these interesting products and homemade soaps and just things that people really should support mm-hmm. shopping locally. I can't tell that. I can't say it enough being seeing the other side of how hard it is to be someone just making soaps at home or whatever. It's important to shop local and support these women and these moms specifically who are that money's going right into their children. I and with you, I didn't even own an Amazon account. Don't want an Amazon account. <laughs> yes. So yes, go local, go local support. Right. And it's one of the things I love about Familius, you know, publishing is that they 
really have a grassroots way of working where they really honor moms, families, and, and really heavily focus that way. And I'm a believer that the more we support our kids, the more we support our family, the family's authenticity, genuineness, caring for the planet, the happier we're all going to be in the long Absolutely. run. Yeah. So you and I are so aligned in so many we ways. Are. <laughs> so let's segue to your role in life as an actor and a producer. And I do have to disclose that I have seen some of your movies and I am definitely a fan. So of you as a human being, as an actor. And so now tell me more about you as an actor and a producer. I am wild. Oh, thanks. So I've, I've been acting since I was 12. And I went to North Carolina School of the Arts, which is a top tier conservatory. And then I only ever really wanted to do theater for a very, very long time. So I did that professionally in New York and around America. And then there was a shift in my life and I moved to Los Angeles and started doing TV and film and fell in love with independent film. And I love that it's there forever. I love the subtleties, but I can use that theater training behind the eyes and just, it's just... Uh, it's been my passion since I was a, a kid. Like the, the very first thing I wanted to be when someone would ask me when I was a kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, in cats. Like, I wanted to be a cat in cats. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even a dancer, but like, that's what I really wanted to be because my mom took me and I was so amazed by the magic of the cat. You know, now it's like, okay, it's kind of cheesy, but like, but I was just enthralled like a lot of kids are, but the movie, the movie making and producing came out of necessity to play really good roles. Mm-hmm. It's difficult as anybody knows, there's one less than 1% of SAG actors are making a living acting. So for me, it's not, I learned, and I think this is being in my forties as well. It's just like, I learned it's not about all that pressure. I think people put on like to be successful, like what success yeah. looks like used to be like, I want an Academy Award. And then I was like, hey, well, that's not happening. I want to, you know, I want to be on a series regular. And then, well, that's not happening. So you just, you, you feel like your dreams dropping a bit as you get older. And so I had to do some soul searching and, and really realize that it's more about just living a creative life. Like that's, what's important to me. That's what makes me feel good. The other things may or may not make me feel good in the moment, of course, but then, you know, what if you're on a terrible show and you hate everybody you work with? Well, then that's not going to make you feel good. So the... And I think that that can relate to anybody in a family, like finding what makes your family feel good, what makes you guys happy and focus on doing that, not the result. So maybe not the straight A's. Maybe that's not, maybe that's what you think the end result is, but maybe that child has something else that they're going to grow. And, you know, all the people I know that are fiercely successful, were not straight A students. <laughs> so like, just that makes sense that makes sense like literally all the millionaires that I know in Los Angeles not one of them was a straight A student and two didn't even go to college so I mean there's that I come from a family of college big time like my mom went to Yale and Berkeley my brother's an astrophysicist who went to Duke and University of Chicago like I come from high achievers high achievers achievers. so where were you born Jessica I was born in San Pedro in San Pedro. Okay. But I'm an Air Force brat. So mm. I lived all over the world. So I kind of grew up and I grew up in an interesting family. I had, I've had, I've had, um, uh, my mom was married four times and my dad was married three times. So I had a very interesting shifting family. Yes. It doesn't mean bad. It just means I have, I'm now in an 18 year relationship. So like, 
I figured something out from that. You did. You did. did. Wow. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Mom married four times, dad three times. That's a lot of change. It's quite a change. But my mom's last marriage was when I was eight. And, you know, up until she passed away, that's what she's married to. So my stepdad is my stepdad now for 30, whatever, some years. Oh, good. Good, good. So you had consistency there from eight forward in that way. Good. Okay. So let's go back to your acting and your producing. And you did mention SAG, Screen Actors Guild, right? And so let's, are you must be SAG, right? Yes, of course. Of course. So tell our listeners a little bit about what that means for those who don't know that world. So SAG, the Screen Actors Guild merged with the AFTRA, which is the a different something like SAG. And what it means is that you're it's protection, it's a union. It's one of the most powerful unions, especially out here in Los Angeles. Meaning that, like, so if I did a Law and Order SVU episode, I'm still getting checks from that. And I did that ages ago, but I get checks because every time it airs, the SAG makes sure that I get the residuals from that TV show I did, or same with CSI or whatever specifically television. Also, like if I go and do an independent film, I'm going to have to have breaks. They can't work me 16 hours straight. So if I'm, I'm going to do a SAG film, like they might even be low budget and only pay me the 250 a day, which is a SAG ultra low budget rate. So it's not even necessarily like getting me loads of money. It could be just a passion project, but I'm protected in the sense that like, I'm going to get breaks. I'm not going to be, there's going to be safety measures taken on set. They're not going to have me plugging in a light. You know what I mean? Which could be dangerous. On the flip side, when you produce, you're doing everything. I was like cleaning the bathrooms, making food for my actors. I was an actor. I was helping white. I, w- I learned everything. Everything. Because <laughs> like the Holy Fail, one of our films, like there was just, it, it's just. Um, I love the Holy Fail. I do too. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. I love doing that movie. And we have another one. We're actually going to Ireland on the 22nd to June 22nd to um not today <laughs> we're going next month to um do some pickup shots for our next feature so that's going to be fun oh wonderful what part of Ireland will you be in we're going to be in Cork in Cork okay so it sounds as if being a producer might not be or or and an actor might not be as glamorous as people think there's a lot going on behind the scenes a lot going on behind the scenes. The glamorous part, the part that you do it for is when you're actually in the moment with another actor portraying a character. Like that's when the magic happens. It's the same feeling. Anybody gets it when you're doing what you're, when you're in alignment with your, your um, calling. So like if you're an artist or if you're a runner or if it's just, if it's being with your kids and like, and le- watching them take their first steps, that's what it feels like. There's, it's a deep connection to inner being. And when, and it's like, it's like a sense of flying when you're, when, when a scene goes and you, and you think like, you don't, you think like a character not like yourself. That's crazy. It's like the best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I never put that together. I have very rudimentary acting experience from college and high school. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, it's funny that you said that I never thought of that as far as, you know, I'm a psychologist, that when I'm with a client, it's often that same way. I never thought of it through that lens of how you are with that person. You are in their reality. You have to maintain and hold your reality and sense of self, but to really empathize. 
and to have true compassion, there is that sense. What a, I never thought of acting as that way, but you are with your character. Yeah, you're with, you are your, with character your character and with another. I mean, obviously, there's monologues in the world, but most acting is listening with the other. So most no. acting is really reacting. It's not, it's acting is not, the word acting is not, and this is not me saying this is every acting teacher that's worth a, a dime, you know, but acting is reacting. So, but it's the same thing as psychology and it's the same thing as just being a good human. You're reacting to what's coming to you. You're not trying to push your own thing out there. And it's oh the same goodness. as- I love same, this. The same as acting, like you're obviously after something, like your character wants something, it's the very base of acting. Mm. You can only get what you want by reacting to what they're giving. And so what good acting is, they want something different than you want. And so that's what makes a scene explode. That's what, that's contrast. And that's what you really want. Now in life, you don't want that. <laughs> like in life, you want to be, you want the same, you would, it's contrast is good and interesting and amazing and, and dynamic, but it, it feels really good when you're in harmony with somebody and not in contrast. Like Right. Um, so I just love this thread. So as a parent, right, as a partner, you are seeing the other and you're responding to yes. them, yes. right? So responding, whereas in acting, you are reacting to create contrast. You're, you're a good, so yeah. So basically TV and film would be very, very boring if everybody got along, period. Oh. It'd be very boring. Nobody would watch it. You're going to watch a bunch of people meditate together. You're going to watch a very happy couple that's always happy all the time and nothing happens. And then at the end of the movie, they're still happy. No, you're not going to watch that. So that. <laughs> that doesn't work. So, <laughs> so, so drama or comedy. And what's funny about comedy is comedy is drama, but worse. Like that's what makes it funny. So like in, in a drama, you might get in an argument about, you know, a divorce or something in a comedy arguing over a hamburger, you know, like it's just, so it, it's, but basically in life, generally speaking, like I feel I'm in a very healthy relationship. Like we're very, very blessed. Knock on wood, we don't argue, period. We we just are just mad. We have the same birthday. Like we just have a magical couple. And so, like, but I think that's because when we're together, we're not looking for contrast. Mm. We're looking to support. So if if I have a bad day, he's looking like, oh, I'm taking in this bad day and I'm going to see how I can help that bad day. Whereas in, in a scene, if we were doing a scene and I would come in with a bad day, his character would be sick of me having bad days or his character would be having his own crazy bad day that it, you know, that's what makes. Got it. Isn't that interesting? I'm so learning so much about acting today. <laughs> and so what we are learning as moms, partners, dads, all of this from listening to you is, boy, I don't even need to be a writer anymore because this really encapsulates it, right? I don't even need to be my profession anymore. She's like, don't create contrast, please. Don't <laughs> react. Just, just respond. You know, I often say to people, meet, meet yeah. your partner, yeah. meet exactly. your child. Meet, yeah. meet. And that sounds like the antithesis of acting. And it, act yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a lovely perspective. So yes. Okay. So now we have. Even in a love scene, even in like the most beautiful love scene, you should have opposite objectives in acting. It could be that just for the contrast, even though it'll, it'll make it more yes. romantic. 
Even if like one person wants that other person to say, I love you. And the other person wants that person to kiss them. Just those two different things. You're looking for something for that other person to give you. You're not getting, and you should never get it. Therefore the scene has the contrast, but in life you should, you should get what you want. (laughs) So well, which is often simply to be seen, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. As 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 parents, you know, as partners, as you know, co-beings on the planet, yeah. people want to be seen. They want to be seen and validated. So, lesson of the day: avoid the contrast in your relationships. Yep. yep. <laughs> avoid With the contrast. Yeah. Avoid the contrast. <laughs> well, relationships. My aunt and uncle—they're very married forever. And uh, one thing my aunt told me when I asked her at a very young age, like, how do you, how, how is your relationship so successful? And she said, uh, her mother told her a relationship should make your life easier, not harder. Mm -hmm. And so she looks for ways to make the other person's life easier. And I think it's the same with kids. Kids don't have it in them yet to make your life easy. (laughs) I don't think so. Sage words. But you could try to make like making, making it easier, not harder is it doesn't mean challenging. Challenges are good, but right. you know, just, but it, it shouldn't, it, it relationships, I think it should be easy. I think it's a myth in my opinion, in my experience, it's this thing we've created and you see it. Oh, relationships are hard. Relationships take work. And you hear this over and over again. And I don't find that to be true. I don't work at my relationship. I don't, for me, and I know as a psychologist, you're like, no, stop it. Stop talking. But in my experience, <laughs> In my experience, I don't know, maybe I hit the jackpot, but in my experience, it's, it just makes my life easier constantly. And so when there is a contrast, it's an easy solution. Yes. And I actually agree with you on one hand that you found the jackpot in a relationship, but on the other hand, I think what people often don't realize, and you said it especially well with children, they don't know enough to make to make life easy. So the parent Mm -hmm. has to come in. And unfortunately for many people, I think probably most people, they don't know how. They weren't given lessons. They didn't have good role models on how to be in a relationship. So the work that is involved for people is getting to a place within themselves and then in the relationship because I think that you actually are in the minority where you had the good fortune of having family or aunt people who were role modeled to you of how to do it well at some point and I think so many people have never had that and so I think that's where the work comes in, that if you're not lucky enough to have high emotional intelligence taught to you right. as a child, if you're not lucky enough to be born an old soul and just right. wise beyond right. no matter what's happening in the world. So, uh, you know, a good part of my work is teaching people that, wait, these are skills. These are skills. And once you learn the skills and bring them into relationship, whether it's a parent-child relationship, you know, partner relationship, work relationship, there is a lot of work in that because it's learning something you've never learned. Yeah. And I agree. And, And talking about skills that worked for me, the one piece of advice that like sticks with me is don't give up having to be right. 
If you just let go and watch yourself in life. Oh my gosh, as a waiter, I often am like, okay, wait, no customers. Right. You know, like some, but, or whatever on set, anytime in life in the line at the bank and somebody cuts you off or whatever, if you could let go or at least acknowledge when you're fighting to be right, because it doesn't actually feel good to fight, to be right. Unless in my opinion, it's for like human rights. That's different. That's mm-hmm. totally different. I'm a marcher. I'm a protester. I'm all about that. Women's rights. Yes, yes, yes. But as far as like, just in a relationship, like that thing about having to be like, people will fight about like, no, you did this and you did this. And that means this just take a step back. And are you fighting to be right? Or could you let go of being right? And just kind of see the other side for a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the biggest things I teach reflective listening, mirroring all of those things when, and being able to not be in you know, not engage in dichotomous thinking where Mm -hmm. I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That is. And especially with kids, like I, um, I grew up with different parent role models and I I grew up in an argument. And I think that's, it's actually funny when you said that, because like, I'm the opposite. I went the opposite of the way I grew up. I grew up. So I grew up in a big fat argument, like my entire childhood up until I went to college was an argument. And so I think, and I'm very good at arguing. I was in debate teams. I'm like, like it's just, and it's fun. You want to show off your skill, like, you know, like, but I, something shifted in me and I learned that that didn't feel good. It didn't feel good to be in an argument. So I was like, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And when I let that go, it was me letting go of being right. That's when everything opened up for me. And that's when also my family opened up to me in a different way, because when I stopped arguing with them, then I saw other things. And things shifted. Absolutely. And I think that in your work, you know, the work you were doing is showing up in the world as you, even, you know, being, volunteering your time to be a guest on the podcast today, right? It is about showing the world what it looks like to radiate love. Yeah. Not radiate. I am right. I am better. You are, I am good. You are bad, but to radiate love because that's what you do. It's one of the things you specialize in naturally is you radiate love. So do you girl. (laughs) You're so kind. So any other things you would like to share with our listeners today? I know we could go on for ages. Any special things you want to share? Um, not really just be good to one another. And, you know, I, I, I really think that that, that supporting local thing is really important. And, and Familius has these great authors that have awesome kids books and, and enlightened self-help books, like your date smart. And it's just amazing. And you do, I'm not even dating. I'm in an 18 year relationship and got something out of the book. So it's just like that kind of stuff. And if you're looking for a good movie, I've got the Holy fail on Amazon. I have choosing signs is another movie. If you want to see me young, (laughs) a long time ago on Amazon. Um, I'm, I'm at Jessica Lancaster LA on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's about it. If you, yeah. Well, listeners, she is very young, young, beautiful, young at heart, just, just (laughs) a a good light for the world, just a good, good light for the world. So, um, spelling on Jessica's name is J E S S I C A L A N C A S T E R. And I can vouch for those movies. You will love them. Lighthearted, wonderful. Holy fail is just, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny and set in Ireland. 
I mean, what yeah. more could you want from a film? Nothing. You don't want anything else from a film. <laughs> <laughs> and it's family friendly. And family friendly. So, and we like that. Go yeah. families. No curse words, no sex, family. Connection. No, just, you know, I'm thinking this one particular scene it, it, when you're inside and you're just, you know, kind of snuggling. I think you were in bed or something. Yeah. And you were just, you were just radiating and just, oh. ra and radiating for the film. And, and I think to me, that's the best kind of film is where the actors radiate love. We have enough of, you know, shoot, kill, bang them up, yeah, people, things. Yeah. yeah, we don't need those. We need more films about love and comedy and lightheartedness. So, you know, mm -hmm. our, our family, um, that we have 10 habits of a, health, of a healthy family with familiars. Love together, play together, learn together, work together, talk together, heal together, read together, eat together, laugh together, give together. And we've talked about so many of those things today. And mm -hmm. one of the ways, you know, you give so much to the world. And I think one of the ways, other than being a wonderful waitress, I have to come visit you yeah. in, in your restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, so you give there, you give through Instagram and sharing and you give as a producer and an actor. And so you really resonate with so many, you embody so many of the things that resonate with me. So, and the familiar's values. So thank you for being with us today, thank Jessica. I love <laughs> it's such a pleasure and, and yeah. an honor. So thank you. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com, where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, shine, shine as only you can do. Thank you.